Hello, everybody. It's Pastor Keon Henderson. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Take Action. I'm so privileged to give leadership to the Lighthouse Nation, which is all of our friends and family all around the world who say, you know what? I don't go to your church physically, or maybe I do, uh, but I consider you to be my online pastor. And, and I thank you so much because that confidence says that what we're doing is adding value to your life. And that's the reason why we do this because God called us and because it adds value to your life. Speaking of adding value to life, uh, you heard me speak about this last week. If this is your first week, you're hearing me for the first time, that because of your generous contributions and donations, take action, the Lighthouse Church, we were able to give a $20,000 donation uh, to a lady named Roz Singleton who had succumbed to her battle uh, with cancer and her husband, Ray, who was continuing uh, the estate um, and the dream uh, that they created together. And I never met them, but it touched my heart in such a way that I wanted to take action on our behalf. So because of your generosity, as they put the giving links up throughout this conversation, you will know that we're not here building a cash cow and, and hoarding away resources. We're taking action, uh, whether it is the building of the park in Anguilla for the kids who are less fortunate there uh, and have huge aspirations, or if it is uh, this young lady whose life uh, was um, affected by this dreaded disease. Uh, and hopefully one day we can find a cure through all of our uh, contributions. Uh, so that way, uh, when and if it is the time of someone we know and love or ourselves, we would have contributed and paid forward uh, to something we will seek to access. We've been discussing salvation uh, for quite a, a bit of time, one Sunday and now two Tuesdays, because the enemy um, of God's people and uh, the efficacy of what he left in the earth um, has been convoluted and clouded uh, by a different doctrine. Now, remember, the Bible says in the last days, they will not want to hear sound doctrine. Uh, this is uh, an attempt, uh, as I said last week, by the powers that be Satan, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but what? Spiritual wickedness in high places. <clears throat> the enemy wants us to believe that we have to do something to be saved, and so we'll always be on the doing. You know, I don't lie, I don't cuss, I don't cheat, but you cannot do all of those things. But if you don't accept Jesus Christ, then you will not wake up in heaven when the earth is no longer here. We have to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, and that brings salvation to us. Now, I need you to go back and watch Sunday's message um, from a couple weeks ago uh, called I Didn't See It Coming. Then I need you to go back and watch part one of our conversation on salvation. And now we are here in part two of our conversation on salvation. And I gave you, and I want you to look at all of these uh, scriptures when you get an opportunity to. I gave you Ephesians 1, 4, and 5, where it says, accordingly, as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Romans 8, 28, and 30. And we know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his good pleasure. John 15 and 16. Uh, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye 
should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the father in my name, he may give to you. Romans 8, 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of the son that he might be the firstborn among the brethren. I gave you all of those scriptures. I want you to go back and look at them. And it all came from our conversation in Psalms 103, Psalm 103, uh, verse 12, where it says, yeah, our sins are as far, God has removed our sins as far as the East is from the West. We want to pick up right there and start off with our conversation for today. So let's get back into our discussion as it relates to salvation by grace and the statement that I continuously make that once I'm saved, I'm always saved. And now here's the antithesis, here's the antagonistic approach to this argument where people will say, and they won't give you answers, they'll just beg the question, does that mean that if I'm saved always, then does that mean I get to do whatever I want to do? And here are the things that they will uh, say. Can I lie? Can I cuss? Can I cheat? Can I smack somebody? Can I clap back online? But you can do all of those things and all of those things are sin. But you have to understand that when we repent and ask God for forgiveness, we're not asking God for repentance and forgiveness to be saved again. We're asking for forgiveness to be restored in fellowship. Now, I gave the example about a, a mother who has a son or a father who has a daughter or a set of parents who have children and those children have done something that you didn't raise them to do. They broke your trust. They did not honor the family name. Does that mean they're no longer your children? Yes, even if you put them out of the house, they're still your children. Even if you stop paying their bills, they're still your children. Even if you take the keys away from the car, they're still your children. And if they come, change their behavior and repent, then you restore the fellowship. And guess what? Sometimes the fellowship is restored, the behavior slips off again, and then there is another forgiveness act that has to take place. The same way it takes place in the physical, the same way it takes in the spiritual, that God is ready to forgive us. Also understanding that God doesn't work in time. God doesn't work in time. What does that mean? God is not forgiving you now for the sin you created now. God works in eternity, which means that he has already forgiven you of any and every sin that you will have or have ever committed because salvation is holistic and complete and it doesn't work the way we do in time, God is eternal and he makes no mistakes. And I want you to read 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, when you get a chance, where the Bible says, the Lord is not slack. He's not lazy concerning his promise. He's not confused. Even when other people are confused and even when other people have things to say and when other people are wondering what's going on, God says, I'm not, I'm not uh, um, slacking uh, concerning my promise as some men count slackness, watch what he says, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So this idea that we are preaching as ministers, that you can do whatever you wanna do and that salvation by grace 
and an eternal uh, a life with him uh, would mean that we're preaching uh, a, a past to sin is ludicrous. It is the father's desire that we come to repentance, but our purpose for coming to repentance is not for the purpose of those who believe salvation by works. Our purpose for coming to repentance is not to be saved, but to restore fellowship so that God and I are in communion, right? Because repentance is the way provided for us by God to be free from the consequences of our sin, not free from sin because all have sinned and will sin. So what do you do with people who are sinful? We were born in the sin, shaped in iniquity. And so since we were born into it, if we have to be free from it in order to be saved, then how can anyone be saved? Okay. We're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, and we receive that blood by accepting him as our Lord and Savior. Sin slows down our progress, but it does not disturb our relationship. Repentance makes it possible for us to grow spiritually, but repentance doesn't mean that the moment that I repent, that all of a sudden I'm back in with God. The privilege of repentance is made possible through the atonement of Jesus Christ, the payment on the cross, his blood and flesh for mine, his body in exchange for yours. So now that wage, that payment for sin is death. That's why he died so that you and I don't have to. Oh, I got I, this is this is very, 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 very important. I hope you are hearing the words that are coming out of my mouth. I'm about to give you another scripture. Second Timothy, chapter one, verse nine. Who hath saved us and called us with the holy calling? Here it is. All right. Ricky, Ricky's still in the room with me today. And Ricky, Ricky has been working with me as we've been looking uh, at what can we put in the earth to help people understand that God doesn't save us because we don't smack somebody. These are like literal examples. God doesn't save us because we omitted cursing somebody out at the gas station or because we didn't give somebody the middle finger in traffic. Although he doesn't want us to do those things, and those sins will impede our progress and fellowship with God, but it doesn't make me not his child. No more than your child is still your child, even if they sin. But here is what 2 Timothy 1 and 9 says. For anybody who's ever argued with anybody about this one, this is your haymaker. This is your uppercut. This is your jab. This is your power shot. Commit this scripture to memory. Second Timothy one and nine who have saved us and called us with a holy calling. Are you ready? Not according to works, <laughs> not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given 
us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Do I need to quote any other scriptures? Anybody who makes you think that because you got divorced, you got to go back and get in the water and be baptized. And you know what? Let me just be real messy right here. Let me just stir up the hornet's nest. You are not saved because you got baptized. I, oh, I know the comments are coming now. Oh, I already know. I already know. But I just need the real saints to be like, Rev, preach, because we got your back. Put it in the comments section. I'm about to give you Bible. The Bible says that Jesus was hanging on a cross and beside him was two thieves. And one of the thieves says to Jesus, remember me. Come on and finish the sentence with me, church. When you come into your kingdom, Jesus didn't say, okay, let's get off the cross. Let's go down to the Jordan river. I got to baptize you first, take you through eight weeks of orientation at the church. I got to change your clothes. You got to take off your baseball cap. No, nope. he looked at him and said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Why? Because the admittance according to the word that he was Lord and savior was enough for Jesus to welcome him into the fold of Christianity. And he was saved that day. You do not get saved because you were baptized. You get baptized because you are saved and you are partaking. <clears throat> Excuse me. You do not get baptized and get saved. You get baptized because you are already saved. And it is your way of saying, God, I partake in the, in the death, burial, and resurrection with you. Here it is. It is an act of obedience. <clears throat> You're not saved because you got baptized. And then here's the other argument. <clears throat> Should I get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Or should I get baptized in Jesus' name only? We can have a whole lesson on that, but neither one of those will ensure your salvation. You will be saved because you do this. I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. I believe in my heart God raised his son from the dead. That is how you get saved. I'm going to read 2 Timothy 1 and 9 again. Who have saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which has given us in Christ Jesus when? The day I walked down the aisle at the church. When? The day my mama got me baptized when I was six. When? The day I announced my calling to preach when I was 14. It didn't say any of that. It says, before the world began. Oh, I wish I had some people who would read the Bible with me today. Somebody just put in the chat, preach, 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 preach. Just put, preach, preach, just preach. Because we are disturbing the kingdoms of this world. John 6 and 44. Ricky, I got another one. I got another one. Uh, Rosalind, whoever you are, I got another one. I, 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 God is giving me names in my mind right now. Sarah, uh, Camilla, Carmela. Uh, there are some people out there right now. You are, you are having these discussions with yourself. 
trying to find out what's true. And people are thinking, oh my God, because I didn't sin, because I didn't do this or I didn't do that, it gives me a higher probability of being brought into the fold. Then what do you do with John 6:44? Are you ready? No man can come to me except the father which has sent me to draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. You didn't pick God. God picked you. Romans 8, 29, for whom he foreknew, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Well, how did God pick me? The same way he picked Adam. Who? What did Adam do to be the first man? Why wasn't it Michael Jordan? Why wasn't the first man Tiger Woods? Because the first man could have very well been Robert De Niro. <laughs> first man could have been Idris Elba. First man could have been Denzel Washington. The first man was Adam. Why him? Because God said so. First woman could have been Grace Jones. First woman could have been Tina Turner. She was Eve. Why? Because God said so. First set of twins, Cain and Abel. Could have been Tia and Tamara, but it wasn't. Why were they there? Because God said so. And so if God could pick the first four human beings, how come he didn't pick the rest? Don't get me started. Don't you get me started. Don't make me fight. Listen, I want everybody here to say we, we come to fight the devil. What did he stop choosing after the first four? Because if he stopped choosing after the first four, tell me how he chose Noah and his family to be the eight that will be on the boat. God is a chooser. He chose Peter as a fisherman to be a disciple. Peter wasn't perfect. He denied him. But then he turned around and let him preach Pentecost. Don't tell me salvation ain't grace. Jesus picked a man who denied him three times and still gave him the ability to preach salvation. And his salvific work is whole and it ain't got nothing to do with what you did or did not do. Oh, I hope I'm shaking somebody's theological tree today. First Peter one and 20. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you? Ephesians 1, 11 and 12. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Can I turn around the circle? Whoa. Nope, y'all didn't leave me enough room today. I feel like I feel like turning the circle. I feel like turning the circle. I'm talking to my team, y'all, right now. I, I just need to find out if they left me enough room. I think I might hit my knee on the wall, but this is one of my scriptures. Are y'all ready? Everybody just put in the chat, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Y'all see me? I'm stretching because this one right here, I'm about to give you a power punch. You ready? Ephesians 1, 11 and 12. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Hear that word again. Being what? Predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things 
after the counsel of his own will. God does what he wanted to do. And no comment on Instagram is going to make him explain himself. I, I don't care how many people come under your comment when you write and say, I agree with that. And they hit reply and they come with a paragraph this long. Ain't none of it going to make God say, Man, you, I still do what I want to do. I pick who I want according to my own counsel, and I draw them unto me. The reason why you should really be shouting about being saved is because you didn't pick God. He picked you. Knowing who you were, knowing who you would be, knowing your attitude, knowing your disposition, knowing how lazy you can be at times, how vindictive, how long you can hold a grudge, how cheap, how stingy, how angry, and he still said, come unto me, all ye that labor. Now you say, oh my God, well, pastor, that ain't what you've been preaching. Now it's exactly what I've been preaching because what I'm trying to get you to understand is that you didn't say, God, I want you because you felt God. God put himself in you and drew you to him. You chose God because he put the choice in you. Jesus help me. Acts 13 and 48. And then when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Oh, God. Oh, those who were ordained. So we've got 70 preachers in our church but not all of them are ordained. Most of them have their license, but all of them are not ordained because being ordained is a deeper level of picking. Now, I wish I had time to tell you that there is more than one type of salvation because after you have saving faith, then you have to move from just being saved from the consequences and damnation of sin. Now you have to move to what theological uh, conundrum is or our theological minds call serving faith. Now I have to move from just being saved to actually walking out my faith, being holy, being righteous, doing the right things. You see <clears throat> that, that I get to expect Something different from somebody who has taken on the second level of salvation the same way you have a right to expect something from your teenager that you don't expect from your adolescent. Some Christians are on milk. and Some eat meat. Oh, God, this is so good. Proverbs 16 and 4. The Lord hath made all things for himself even the wicked for the day of evil. Ephesians 1 and 4, according as he hath chosen us, I don't know how many scriptures I have to read, in him before when, the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. Revelation 13 and 8, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. 
whose names are not written in the book of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Here's what the psalmist says. At the name of Jesus, every knee must bow, every tongue must confess. That means that all will eventually have to acknowledge that he is Lord, but all will not have the benefits of that acknowledgement who have not first confessed him first. Every person in the earth will eventually have to say, Lord, Lord, but not all will inherit eternal life because that Lord, Lord must come before what the Bible calls over in the book of Revelation, the great white throne judgment. I don't have time to get there today. We will get there at another time. Is what I'm saying to you making sense? That there isn't a conflict between preaching that once I'm saved, I'm also saved. And yes, I do have to be righteous and holy. But in the event, like you, I am not able to. I am saved because I am the righteousness of God and that the blood of Jesus conceals that which I am guilty of that would prohibit me from waking up and walking the streets paved with gold. So I must accept him. But then I am now being controlled by a higher authority. His name is the Holy Spirit who rests, rules, and abides with us until the earth no longer remains. He is the paraclete, God with us, para. Parachute is with you when you jump out of the sky. Paramedic is with you when you are sick. He is the paraclete, the paraspirit. He is with us through this journey called life. So as you go through your daily actions and you're tempted to think, oh, because I failed, I'm done. I want everybody to type in the comment section, the devil lies. He wants you to believe that your work can secure your worth. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1 and 4, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. I'll finish by saying this. In the book of Genesis, there was a man named Noah. It took him 120 years to build the ark. And as Noah built the ark, the Bible says that God looks at him and says that he is righteous. At the time God calls Noah righteous, Noah is gathering grapes outside of the tent and in intoxicated, inebriated, drunk, literally, before God. And God says to Noah, you're righteous. Why? Because God chose him to be so. Righteous couldn't mean imperfect. It couldn't mean without mistake. So it must mean something deeper. It means that those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. I want us give you the security of knowing 
that God loves you beyond your failures. He loves you beyond your mistakes. He loves you beyond your perfection of which there's none good, no, not one. There is a scripture in the Bible that says, and I want you to log this one in the tablet of your heart. And I want you to remember this one as long as you can. It's in Isaiah chapter 64. It says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and make the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right and remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We are all shriveled up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you for you have hidden your face from us, made us waste away because of our sins. Yet, O oh Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, you are the potter, and we are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O oh Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. O oh, look upon us, we pray for we are all your people. Your sacred cities have become a desert. Even Zion is a desert, Jerusalem a desolation. Our holy and glorious temple where our fathers praise you has become burned with fire and all question for you. If you respond to that still voice inside of you now that is calling you unto him, the answer for you is no. In heaven, there is a mansion for you, eternal in the heavens, not made by hand. God loves you and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. I hope these last three lessons in concert has put you in a powerful, steady, significant position to know that if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, no devil in hell 
and no sin on earth can separate you from the love of God. As we give today, I want you to sow a seed because he is the tree of life. And as you sow, remember here at Take Action, we take action and your gifts are attached to things that will allow grace to abound to your account. We are stewards over what you give us in a way that you should trust what we're doing for the cause of Christ and that we are doing what you told what we told you we would do, whether that would be to build the park in Anguilla. Uh, we're working with the Minister of Tourism and, and their public relations firm on how to roll it out. We've seen uh, what uh, the schematics are. Uh, it is a six-figure enterprise that we're all doing together. I cannot wait to show you uh, via video um, all of the things that are taking place. My wife and I have even been talking about a ways for you to see it in person. It's going to be amazing. Uh, we're going to put a lighthouse over there to make sure that we are giving light to people all around the world. And this is just the beginning. You haven't seen anything yet. God bless you. Thank you for your gifts. May God bless you. We'll see you soon. Hello, everybody. My name is